welcome everybody to the His Two Wordy Comic Book Podcast, where three buddies talk about comics from their childhood and today. I'm Ryan. I'm Nick. And I'm Kurt. And today, we're talking about Justice League America, issue 34. And we kind of just did a random new book thing again, like we kind of did last week. So... Should we do the random new book first and then kind of get into the Justice League? Yeah, we can do that. Alright. Anybody like to go first? I can go first as well. I don't care. I just want to make sure everybody's got the opportunity. I can go. It's cool. Alright. So, I really like Beta Ray Bill. And I really like Thor. But I don't like the new Beta Ray Bill. I like the Walter Simonson Beta Ray Bill. This one is by Daniel Warren Johnson, and he wrote and drew it. And the story's okay. I mean, it has to deal with uh, Null finally attacking Asgard, and Thor's off fighting him on Earth, and he leaves Beta Ray Bill as his god of war, pretty much. And in control of that, that like Asgard's army, and uh, Noel sends an emissary of Fing Fang Foom, nullifies, nice. oh. and uh, and uh, he just mops the floor with every <gasps> Asgardian, including Beta Ray Bill. Because Beta Ray Bill doesn't have Stormbreaker anymore because Thor broke it. And he's not Odin, so he can't enchant it like Odin could for his replacement. So he can't change back into not being Thor's face. And, um, yeah, he gets his ass kicked. Thor comes around, beats the crap out of Fin Fang Foom, and they all go to one of the, the, uh, the taverns in Asgard, and they all have a huge party. Thor's, like, hanging out with two scantily clad girls, and Beta Ray Bill's in the back, and he's just sulking, right? And uh, Sif comes along, and uh, apparently Beta Ray and Sif have a, a, are reconciling, and they're getting back together. And she's like, you know, now, you know, you owed me a drink, but now I guess I owe you two. Or you owe me too. And she kisses him and they go back to her room and <laughs> uh, they're, they're kissing and she takes his, his shirt off and she's like, um, so now how does this work now? He's like, oh, you mean you like, like what? Like the humanoid form? She's like, yeah, you, you can't change back, right? That only changes at night. He's like, no, that, that was with Stormbringer and now I can't change back. Now I'm this hideous freak, right? He even, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I understand, you know, I'm not blind. She's like, you know, Bill, I can't do this with your horse face. She can't even look at it. And Ouch. And uh So he he leaves her and goes back to, to Scuttlebutt and he's about to leave. Scuttlebutt's the that's sentient, and every apparently everything that he's had since he was little has a scuttlebutt in it. Like every piece of technology, everything. So it's, it's it's constant companion, and he's walking back, and 
and Thor comes out. And he's like, where are you going? Away from here? Why? And he just rips into him. Like, you know, you, you constantly come in, take over my victories. You cannot fix how I look. You cannot, you can't help me anymore. So I'm going to go find Odin and make him make me a goddamn axe again. Right? And, he's, and he takes off in Scuttlebutt. And that's where it ends. But you, they dig in the whole horse face thing so much in the fight with Fin Fan Foom. Because it's constantly like, um, you know, these are, these are quotes from Fin Fang Foom. Puny horse face. Um, what else was there? There was something about how he loves to eat horse meat. And, yeah, your toys are useless, horse face. You know, just constantly calling him horse face through the whole thing. And the the story was all right. I mean, it's, it's not, how do you say, grandiose as the Walter Simonson Thors were. Like, those were so in-depth and great. And, like, you could just spend hours just looking at the artwork and going through the the storyline. This the artwork is, is subpar. Like, I opened the first page and I was like, are you kidding me? This is who you have doing Beta Ray Bill? And I will tell you, and I will try to find a picture of this. Sif looks like Molly from Books of Magic. She looks like a 12-year-old girl. That's not creepy. At all. It's very odd. And she looks just like Molly. So, um, I would say for $5, skip it. Get the trade. Read it on something else. And then decide if you want to buy it. But for 5 bucks. Uh, I read it in five minutes and I was, it's not worth it. I mean, find, find another book. Hmm. I'm glad I didn't pick that one up then. Me too. I looked at it. I wish I would have looked at it before I bought it. Would you like to go? Sure. I picked up the Flash six or seven sixty eight, and pretty much, Wally West decides that he's going to quit the uh, Justice League and quit being the Flash. Barry's not happy about it, and but. Uh, Green Arrow's like, let him quit. If he wants to quit, he says he's done, he's done, right? So, uh, Barry and Wally are walking through the city, and people are like, great cosplay. Is it the is it Flash or the Flash? You know, just little comments here and there. And they have a race... And the reason they're racing is to for Barry to take away uh, Wally's connection to the Speed Force. And it looks like it's about to happen, and 
There's like a blip, and Wally is sucked in and disappears. And Barry loses his powers as the Flash. So, Green Arrow and Flash return. Uh, hold on. So Barry's trying to figure out how to get him back. And you skip ahead, and Wally has been sucked into the Savage Land. I mean, prehistoric Earth. Uh, and what's odd is... Okay, never mind. And then they're back at... Uh, the Hall of Justice, and... Uh, Barry brings in Mr. Terrific to help figure this out. And Barry's going to attempt to connect with Wally through the Speed Force. Because they can track him. I guess they can track you when you're in the Speed Force. And he's going around. And it skips to, goes ahead to Wally and he's walking around. And he decides he needs a drink, so he bends down to a, looks like a creek or a river to get a drink. And he's in the body of a caveman. And he finds out that his powers still work. And he's he starts running with the dinosaurs. And he gets attacked by a velociraptor. And it goes back to Barry, Mr. Terrific, and Green Arrow. And they say that they've uh, established, they found him in the Speed Force, and Barry starts to talk to him. But uh, Wally's a little busy getting attacked by a Velociraptor, saying he liked it when he, he said you were so much cooler in the movies. And come to find out the Velociraptor has speed force powers. Oh, brother. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so he's running, and uh, Barry finally makes contact with Wally in his head, and he's still running. And still running. And running some more. Now he's hiding because he doesn't want the Velociraptor to eat him. The Velociraptor finds him. And then starts chasing him again. And then there's another explosion. They lose contact with uh, Wally for a little bit. And... Green Arrow and Flash get into an argument about how uh, Barry or Ollie's not going to let Barry sacrifice himself uh, in hopes to reach out to uh, Wally, and they get in, into an argument and. Uh, 
Flash basically rips into him saying that you would do anything to get Roy back, even meant even if it meant putting your life on the line. And Arrow acquiesces and says, powered up. And they reestablish connections. And now Wally is in the future. And he is in um, Bart Allen's suit. And when he looks in the reflection, he's Bart Allen. And... Um... He gets attacked by something, a monster, and that's where it ends. So it's Quantum Leap for The Flash. Yeah. I didn't mind it so much. Art's fantastic. Um, there was enough to make me get, to keep me interested to get the next issue. Who is the writer? Um... Just one second here. Jeremy Adams. So the art was was really good. Writing, yeah. I would say give it a shot if you can handle them being in the Savage Land. Well, okay. I have one other question. Yeah, it's not. It the Flash brings it up, but. Does anybody remember a Velociraptor dinosaur existing before Jurassic Park? <laughs> no. I mean, I remember being a kid, Tyrannosaurus Rex was the baddest of the bad. That's the one you didn't want to mess with. That Yep. Nobody ever said anything about this Velociraptor thing. No. Jurassic Park still shows up, and all of a sudden, they're the most feared dinosaur in the world. Yep. That's because he made them six feet tall, and Velociraptors were like only supposed to be like three feet. They had a growth spurt. That's right. Because Spielberg was like, they don't look menacing enough. Let's 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 just make them twice the size. Oh, yep. No, it was actually pretty good. So, I recommend it. It is like the first issue of a new story arc. Yep. Kind of sounds like it. Yep, that's why I picked it up. That's why I picked it up. Cool. Alright. I went with Shadow, or Shadecraft. Um, by Image. And have you ever read a book and you're like, I feel like I'm missing something? And yes, Nick, I read everything in the front of it and at the end of it just to make sure I didn't miss something. Um, and I did find out that this is the same crew that wrote Skyward and how they felt like they really had to put in the work for this one because Skyward was so acclaimed. But I don't know if the characters existed in Skyward or because I didn't read Skyward. Um, this, boy, how do I, this has got the whole feel of, like shadows are attacking, um, it, okay, I'm going to try to explain this the best I can, okay? 
It is about a girl whose brother is in a coma. They don't tell you why he's in a coma. He's just been in a coma for the last year. The mom is unbelievably overprotective of the brother in the coma. Uh, this girl's got... Her name's Zadie Lou. And... She's got two really good friends. One's a guy, one's a girl. Uh, otherwise, everybody else just refers to her as the sister of the coma guy. And... That's the parts that made sense. Okay? Now, where it goes a little off the rails, and again, it kind of makes you feel like you're missing something, then one panel you see her walking, and the shadow's kind of creeping up on her, and she kind of notices something, but she turns around, and nothing's happening. But, like, she knows the shadows are chasing her, and you don't see how she'd know that. I, it just there's a lot of gaps in this. It was very challenging to kind of grasp everything that was going on. Actually, I read it twice to make sure I didn't. I couldn't figure out why I was missing something. But shadows start attacking her. Um, and then her own shadow protects her from some other shadows. It, I mean, it's just weird and out there, and I really feel like I'm missing something. So, it could be a connection with the Skyward thing, and this is these are characters that were developed previously. But it just feels like there wasn't a complete flow to the book, if that makes sense. It feels like they're assuming too much that you know what's going on. And I don't feel like that... That was actually, you know, I think I'm a pretty smart guy when it comes to comic books. And that one, it felt like they made the assumption a little too much that you'd understand what's going on. So, um, you know, if you like Skyward, mate, check it out. If you want to try something a little bit different, check it out. It's just not my cup of tea. I can't say anything too terribly bad. I just, it's just not my, my thing. And like I said, it felt like it was missing something there somewhere. So, yeah. That's what I had. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I like the characters. I like the idea of it, but there was just too many little spaces that just felt like something else should be there to kind of prompt you to understand what was actually happening, and it wasn't there. Hmm. I don't know if they get into that more in the next issue, that kind of a thing. Because in the back, they even, the writer even, uh, let's see. That they were hoping to get this published a little closer to Skyward. Um, but it was so acclaimed that they really put the pressure on themselves to do a better job. And so it took him longer to write this issue, and then it took the artist longer to draw it, because they wanted to make sure they got everything just right. Uh, and he actually says that the shadows sh or shadecraft is about a story about shadows, the ones we live in, the ones we cast, and the ones 
that follow us no matter how hard we try to escape. This book was born in the shadow of Skyward. It knows what it feels like to be a younger sibling trying to shine its own light. So to me, that sounds like you don't need to read Skyward to understand this. Because it's a different... Right. But, yeah, it feels like something in there was missing. Yeah. All right. Now on to the good stuff. Justice League America. Not Justice League of America. Justice League America, issue 34, by Giffen and Demetrius. Don't know why I kind of started skipping there. <laughs> no, it's this cool. was fun, Nick. <laughs> I love this. Like this little storyline right here, where they build Justice League Island. Oh my god! Yeah, Just, it was really fun. Just like, of course, you get major disaster in there, and of course, he's a major disaster to them, and it's great. How he emptied all the money out of the Justice League account. Yep. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Beetle and Guy uh, steal all the money from Justice League, uh, of, from from Max Lord, to create an island resort. And they're like, we'll pay it back in no time. We'll, we'll, just, we'll make millions. Yeah. And on the first day it opens, major disaster, and uh, Big Sur arrive and uh, count cards and empty the bank. And I like how uh, he's got other people from the Justice League doing, like, uh, Ticket Agent and uh, the Concierge and other things like that. Like, like uh, Fire. Walks the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, if I wasn't part of this, if I wasn't going to be making money on this, I'd be leaving you stupid poosers behind. Yep. But, yeah, and he built the island in a day. That's awesome. I liked how it was more focused on Blue Beetle. Booster was there, but it was more Blue Beetle. It was, you know, him just acting goofy, which clearly it's not how that normally, you know, from the last Blue Beetles that we read, how that normally works. Right. And then I like how all the native people are... They don't look real native. They're more <laughs> right. like New York. <laughs> well, didn't they, didn't they even say that he sent uh, his the chief's son to the University of like Brooklyn or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So Aquaman shows up. How fantastic <laughs> is that? The I sea know. god. There's a god from the sea. Oh, that's just Aquaman. They have the. Uh, one lady dressed up like Power Girl for cigars and cigarettes. And Yep. Does not look like Power Girl at all. <laughs> no, um, I think that's funny too, because when you see her, you're like, you look wrong. Yeah. Like this yeah. is this is wrong. But my favorite part of the the, the issue is where uh, Beetle tries to hit on the girl in the bikini. And she's like He's like, but I'm a superhero. She's like, no. You're too short. You're too too short. Too short and too obnoxious. (laughs) Well, apparently you don't know superheroes then. Yeah. Uh, It was a lot of fun. 
Uh, it was a good read. Again, I love the focus that it was more on Blue Beetle than Blue Beetle and Booster. Uh, you got the twist at the end. <laughs> when it's Krakoa? Oh. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> That's yeah. what I thought. It's yep. like, how'd they get on Krakoa? Yep. It's moving. No. It sinks later on, so that's even better. Well, great story. Loved it. Yeah. And it's one of those you can just hop right into. Oh, yeah. You don't have to know who anybody is. No. Not a ton of focus on any one character. It's all more about the humor of it. Yeah, you get to learn a lot more about, like, uh, Major Disaster and uh, Big Sur and their relationship. Your name is Frank. My, I'm Joe. Okay, Big Sir. Or he's like Big Frank. Big Frank. Like, I'm Big gonna, Frank. You're just gonna give it away. And then when he saw sees Blue Beetle standing there, he's like, "Holy shit!" You know, they don't recognize you. Okay, good. Yeah. Just such a dumb idea. Like, oh, superhero's gonna open like a, a casino island. Oh, and uh, we'll talk about that later. I I just wanted to say like think of, I'm thinking about something to talk about later. So, all right, cool. All right, want to go random reads? Sure. All right. Cool. Anybody want to go first, or I can I'll, go first real quick. I'll go first. All right. So, I stopped. Reading Marauders when it went to the X of Swords storyline. And I've been slowly trying to piece those issues that I missed back together. So right now I'm looking for like issues 11, 13, 14, and 15 is what I have left to collect. But I decided to read Marauders number 16. And... It's pretty much on the cover. It's got Kate and White Queen. And White Queen's got her high-heeled boots stuck to the side of uh, of uh, Sebastian Shaw's skull. Or his head. And it looks like Shaw's been bleat, beat to a bloody pulp. So it looks like uh, Kate's getting her comeuppance for, being, for him murdering her. Um, it starts out, and Storm and Bishop are meeting, and they Bishop is telling her that he got uh, vine samples from uh, Kate's uh, uh, body, ground, and. Uh, Bishop's like, there's only one place in the world where this grows, and Storm knows exactly where it's, sto- it's grown. Because if you know anything about Storm, she's, uh... She knows about plants. She's really into into gardening and stuff, because in all the old X-Men comics, the uh, attic of the X-Mansion was hers, and it was a garden. So it makes sense that she would know where it was grown at. 
And then you go and uh, Kate and Emma are riding towards a fortress in Hellfire Bay. And there's a knock at the door and Sebastian Shaw's pissed off that somebody's knocking on his door because he's had a long day of meeting about uh, some nonsense. And he goes and answers the door, and before he can open it, there is a one fist that has the tattoo kill on it, punches him in the face, and then there's another punch, and it says Shaw on it, and hits him on the other side of the face. And Sebastian phases Emma and um, Kate through the door. And um, Sebastian's like, you two have blundered. Don't you know uh, what my mutant gift is? I'm the master of kinetic injury. And Emma shoots him with some kind of gun and says, and now you don't have it. And Kate pretty much proceeds to kick the ever-loving shit out of him. And he's like, um, they go over to his whiskey cabinet and, or where he keeps all his fine, um, alcohol. And you hear, uh, glass breaking and you say, you hear her say, oops, butterfingers. And he's saying that these whiskeys can't be bought again at any price. And Kate's like, nice selection, right? And um, pretty much White Queen says that she knows that she that uh, he's in cahoots with the Verendi, which are the little midget, uh, little kid version of the Hellfire Club. And, um, that the medicines that they were providing to the world were being poisoned, and Shaw says that he didn't know that they were being poisoned, that there's going to be poison in them, and Emma's like, I, uh, I don't, I don't think you would know, otherwise you'd be down in the hole with, uh, Victor. Referring back to Sabretooth being put into the pri- what is uh, basically Krakoa's prison, right? So, um, Shaw makes it to his feet, and he's telling Kate, Kate to stop, that it's a bottle of uh, Port Ellen, bottled to celebrate the Queen's visit to the distillery in 1980. It's priceless. And she's like, uh, she's like, wow, hey, I've been working on an impression. And t- she takes a big, uh, big swig of the, the, uh, Port Ellen. And then she spits it into the fireplace. And she says, I'm Lockheed, right? Cause she, cause he killed Lockheed as well as Kate. And, uh, 
he says, please don't. And she says, come on, you can beg better than that. And she throws the bottle into the fire, breaks the bottle, throwing it into the fireplace. And uh, Shaw comes running at her. Uh, she says, that's better, but not as good as the begging I did when I pleaded for you to spare Lockheed. And he comes running, charging at her, and she phases him through her. And he ends up in the fireplace. And, uh, well, his arm starts on fire. And, uh, he's just getting manhandled. And he says, he, do you think he, need, he needs his mutant gift to protect himself? And, uh, he says, my name is, uh, in it, before he can get Sebastian out, uh, Kitty throat punches him right in the larynx. And, um, they basically tell him that, uh, they're going to reveal what he did to the Quiet Council. And, He can be exiled beside Sabretooth for eternity, or he can uh, keep it quiet. It can be between the Hellfire Club and uh, she basically says you have a choice, and he decides that he's uh, he chooses neither and starts running to the door. And Emma's like, Ugh, how gross. Right? Like, you could hear her in her ing fake English accent saying that. And, uh, she tells Kate to go get him. And he falls out the window, and Blob is walking by. And he's like, are you okay, Mr. Mister Shaw? And Kate says, bye, Glob. Bye, Glob, and drags him back in. And... Uh... He's saying that they should both be thanking him. And because... Um, you asked me to help form a nation of mutants, then you offer a chair at the Hellfire Council and a council seat to a woman who might not even have been a mutant. We didn't know who Kitty really was. Saying that just because she can phase through anything and, you know, she's not a mutant... And, uh, so they make a deal, and, uh, there was, they said there was one more thing, and Storm shows up with Lockheed, and she's like, uh, Lockheed demanded blood. Uh, and basically... They allow Lockheed to attack Sebastian, and Lockheed rips his eyeball out and spits it into the fire. And Kate proposes a toast, hands the, the glass to Sebastian, and he thinks that his uh, punishment has been a tad excessive, and... They make a deal to where uh, 
the Red Queen will now service the black market and the and uh, among other things. And the dragon taking his eye is not your punishment. And he's like, "What?" And Kate says, "You just drank a, a dram laced with the Verendi poison, and it doesn't kill him, but it makes him pretty much." He can't move. He has to be pushed around in a wheelchair. And, um, so they bring him before the Quiet Council and Magneto demands to know what happened. And Kate says, let's put it to a vote. If everybody wants to hear it, I'll say what it is. And Professor X says yes. Magneto says yes. Sinister Sinister says, hell yes. Exodus says, very well, yes. Mystique says, no. Storm says, no. Nightcrawler says, yes. And Emma, Sebastian, and Kate say, no. And so they they don't ever tell the Quiet Cancel what happened. And that's where it ends. So it was a really fun uh, because having read where she was murdered and brought back to the whole back bringing back to life ordeal, it was kind of nice, kind of fun issue to see her get her uh, get her revenge on Shaw. Her and Lockie get her revenge on Shaw and bas- basically beat the snot out of him. Um. It was a really good issue. If you were reading Marauders, I would say it's probably one of my favorite issues of the Marauders. So. Now, Scott did ask, when did the X-Men get a mutant power killing gun? I guess Krakoa has many weapons, Scott. I'm not sure where that came from. In my opinion, I think they're making... The Marauders kind of, oh, or the, sorry, the mutants kind of overpowered now. They seem to have an answer for everything. Now, Forge might have been able to, I think Forge did have power blocking technology, and Forge is the, um, he's still the inventor of things, so he must. He's the inventor for Krakoa. So I'm just going to go on the assumption that Forge created it to be used. So. Because I haven't seen anything where he says he's. I don't know. It is kind of weird. But. Like I said, it's a fun issue. The art's awesome. And, uh. I really like, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jerry Dugan is doing a good job writing. I don't know if that's a man or a woman. It looks like it's a woman. Uh, like I said, if you're reading Marauders, I would highly recommend the book. So, that's all I got. You? Nick? Sure. Can you believe it? I actually have a random read. Oh my Uh-oh. god. What? You got to read? 
Holy shit, no, I just did. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what'd you do, lock Sophie in a closet? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so, we talked about last week how Marvel has all these characters that they should do more with, and they brought out uh, Curse of the Man-Thing with the Avengers. Um, they're doing a whole bunch of these, like Curse of the Man-Thing with the Amazing Spider-Man, Curse of the Man-Thing with probably, like, who knows. But, um, this one is actually pretty cool. Like, so Man-Thing is pretty much a rip-off of Swamp Thing, or Swamp Thing's a rip-off of Man-Thing. Who knows? I don't. I'm not even going to care. Because nope. it's just... It's 40 years of continuity, and I don't care who came first. I like both of them, because they're so much different. Because Swamp Thing is... has the persona of Alec Holland, but Man-Thing has the persona of just a walking pile of crap, pretty much. Like, he don't, he's just, he'll just burn whatever like, fears him and he walks up to them and just wants them to get away from his swamp. Um, so this this issue is pretty crazy. Um, so there, it starts out with like these three witches and their young protege, and she's supposedly in charge of keeping the amount of humans on the planet in check. And she has this idea of turning Man-Thing into a bioweapon to kill off everybody. And then in a couple billion years, something else will evolve. And then hopefully they do a better job, right? So three witches are like, you know what? Uh, we don't like your plan, but we can't stop you. You'll, you'll make a mistake and then we'll be there to, to fix it, right? And then it goes into Man-Thing's origin about how he was creating a super soldier serum, locked himself in the, in the Everglades, went for a... AIM found out because his wife sold him out. He was driving, said, you can't have my, my formula, and injected himself. Car wreck. Went into the swamp, came back out as Man-Thing. Pretty much Swamp Thing's origin, too. Um, so... We finally see Man-Thing in about five or six pages in. He looks amazing. Like, the the way Man-Thing has always looked is, like, take Swamp Thing and mix Cthulhu in with it. Like, he's just <laughs> got the giant tentacles on his face and just... He looks crazy. Like, you, you would be insane not to fear this thing when it's coming at you. So, he's... He, he like, must have smelled, like, a little bit of blood in the water and came out and... There's this dude half buried in the in the in the uh, in the swamp, but it's not buried. He's becoming part of the swamp, and this this witch comes out, and he tries to burn her, and she's like, "No, you know, really, you know, do I look afraid of you?" And she jabs her hand right in his gut, and pulls out his insides. Oh, and right, just skins him right there. And, yeah, so she just completely kills Man-Thing in the first ten pages of this thing. And she's like, now now my, my work can continue. And she starts sending out these seeds, like uh, dandelions, out into the world. And they start growing these giant, like, towers of uh, 
vines everywhere around the world, like Wakanda, Krakoa, New York, everywhere, right? And uh, people are like, yeah, let's take pictures with it, man. Are you, you like streaming for YouTube right now? Yeah, okay. What happens when, you know, this is really cool. I'm going to touch it. And as soon as people touch it, they start lighting on fire. And when they, when they die, out of their mouth comes more of these spores. So every time they touch it, more spores come out, more things are happening. And the Avengers are like, what the hell is going on? So um, Black Panther sends teams out around the world to go fight these things. He sends like Cap and the Hulk to go someplace else. Thor and Blade to go to London. Iron Man and Captain Marvel go to Sydney. Um, Ghost Rider to go to Los Angeles. And Cap and Holt are in New York, and they're just smashing shit apart, right? And Holt's loving it, and Cap's like, what? There's more to these things. You know, there, there's these spores, and he gets wrapped around in these vines and is taken out of the game right away. And he wakes up in this weird alternate world, right? And uh, he looks behind him, and there's four guys all carrying shields, all looking like him. And they're all proto-Captain Americas. Like, all the people that came after him that took the, uh, the, the super soldier serum that made them go crazy, right? So we're seeing that in Falcon and Winter Soldier with the, the effects of the super soldier serum part two making people go crazy. Well, so they've got, like, they start attacking Steve, and they're like, aren't you afraid of us? We're, we're, what we did in your name, you know, and he's like, you know, I hate what you guys did, but I'm not afraid of you. And he's getting, uh, the Red Guardian starting to beat him up, and he, somebody comes out of the woodwork, right? And you're like, Banner? Because it looks just like Banner. You're like, what the fuck? And, and then it just kind of, like, goes off somewhere else. Like, Cap has never seen this dude before in his life. Goes off. They're still fighting these things. They figure out that, you know, block the sunlight and they won't grow. And... Um, so... It goes back to Cap, you know, in the in the thing. And it's Dr. Ted Solis, who is the man-thing inside. And he's talking about how he's... His greatest fear is meeting Steve Rogers. Like, him trying to recreate the soldier serum and what happened with it is his greatest fear, right? So he's he's been stuck inside Man-Thing for decades. Like, just screaming and this thing, like, just so far deep in the consciousness of Man-Thing that he can't hear him, he can't do anything about it. He's just in this, like, realm and pretty much alone for like the last however long continuity has been for this. And and then there's like more talk about, you know, like you know, Cap needs his help. Maybe Man Thing brought Cap into it to help him out and to figure out a way of just like fixing this. And there's a big reveal at the end of this book that I'm not going to give away. Because it's actually pretty a big, it's a pretty big deal for all the stuff that's gone on with the Super Soldier Serum. Huh. So, um, yeah, uh, 
it's really good. I really enjoyed it. The artwork's cool. I really, if you don't like Man Thing, it's still a cool horror story with like, you know, an epidemic of just people burning. <laughs> you know, and it's it's pretty cool. So I, I'd recommend getting that one. Cool. A lot better than Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> so, uh, Nick, I looked it up, right? Mm-hmm. Man Thing and Swamp Thing were both created in 1971. Man Thing in May and Swamp Thing in July. So it's <laughs> the first time that I've seen DC actually cop- be uh, copying Marvel. Normally it's the other way around with everything that I try to look up. Uh, Deathstroke was out before Deadpool. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is the first time. Was there Namor? Namor was before Submariner, right? Or uh, not Submariner, but uh, Aquaman, right? I think so. Yeah, I think that's the other the other occasion that I know of. So, cool. Who's DC's version of Aunt May? I don't know. Lois Lane. <laughs> I can see it. All right. Cool. All right. Well, I'm glad you got a random read and you got a one that you were excited about. That's awesome. Okay. So, on Saturday, my daughter does baton. And she had a baton competition. And for those who have never enjoyed baton competitions before it's basically six minutes out of a nine hour day watching your kid do something and then you have to wait around for the next event for her to be able to do something right so when i say like nine minutes that's like or six minutes i'm saying that's like six two minutes to do one event and then we wait like three hours two minutes to do another event three hours you get the idea so there's plenty of time to read and um, so I had a whole bunch of trades. I'm like, I am going to finally get caught up on my trades. Um, so one of the ones I did, thinking, you know, I vaguely remember enjoying this when it first came out. I haven't read in a long time. I'm going to, I'm going to read it. Let's see how it is. See how it stands up. Was Heroes Reborn: The Return? So this takes place after the Fantastic Four, or with, you know, Fantastic Four are gone, and Cap is gone, the Avengers are gone, Iron Man, those were the four main books. They were all gone. Because of Onslaught. Because of Onslaught. So this is how they got brought back. Okay. Um... It's not good. <laughs> it was painfully boring. Um, one of the Celestials is in it. The they, they put Peter Parker or Spider-Man in it just because you have to do something with Spider-Man. Um, the Hulk's in it. But it's basically... Oh, it... 
Nick, just for you. Man thing. Yeah. Was Franklin Richards Guardian. Nice. Um <laughs> Oh, I I don't know how Okay, so Franklin ended up creating a world and saving the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. And this world now exists in a blue ball, which he doesn't know why it's important, but he knows it's important. And Mayhem Thing is kind of being the babysitter while everybody's gone. Uh, the Celestial shows up and basically says, okay, you have two options, or three options. One, you destroy this Earth. Two, you destroy the Earth with your family on it, the Fantastic Four. Or three, you do nothing and will destroy both Earths. So it's all about Franklin trying to figure out uh, how he wants to save the world or how he saves everybody. And nobody remembers him that was sent to this, you know, so the Avengers and Fantastic Four don't remember him. Um, Sue's whining in this per the old Sue Storm stuff. Uh, Hulk was poor me, her the standard poor me. Doom makes an appearance to help the good guys, which inevitably leads to him doing something that makes him the bad guy again. Um, it's just... I'm pretty sure I fell asleep three or four times reading this. It's just not good. Um, I always remember liking the, when they relaunched the Onslaught, and then they relaunched those titles. 13 issues, it was kind of fun. Not some of my favorite characters, but you know, worth checking out. And so, yeah, but, uh, this included, just to make sure you get the full effect, Heroes Reborn Return, 1 through 4. Heroes Reborn Doomsday. Ashmiza, or, uh, let's see. Ashima, Masters of Evil, Rebel, Remnants, Young Allies, and Doom. Not good. Okay, moving on. Alright. Next one I did was Dryad. Um, I picked this up because I of the writer, Chris Webb. Um, he did... It's four girls that are taking place in like uh, like a Dungeons and Dragons world. Anyhow, he's a really fantastic fantasy writer. I like him, his writing, so I picked this up. And this is about a husband and wife who go to a small village and the wife is an elf and the husband is a history teacher, essentially. And he's teaching the kids in a small village and his daughter and son about some of the hieroglyphics and stuff that they find. The wife, in the meantime, you kind of get the idea that she, in a past life, she was a warrior for uh, like a police force because she's all about going out and protecting 
the village and killing monsters, and she's very bored with the current life they have. And then the kids have some kind of a special ability where they can kind of, like, when they touch hands, they can talk to each other mentally. And come to find out that the husband and wife ran away from the city, and now they're being pulled back in because they have special abilities that are required of them. And so the special police force came looking for them to get them. The kids have no idea who their parents really are. And you find out the mother is kind of like part cyborg where she can kind of plug in and make these massive weapons even more massive and things like that. And the dad is a wizard. And they, and the wizards aren't supposed to exist anymore. They're, uh, that's the old way. So he can do magic. And they get pulled back into the city to um, help take down this group that put a bounty on their head a long time ago. And they get pulled back in the city 13 years later and um, trying to figure out what's going on. And their only ally is the father's brother. And they don't get along real well. Um, this was just fantastic storytelling. The art in it is absolutely gorgeous. Just bright colors when they needed to have bright colors. You got, you know, develop those feelings for the characters and you want to see certain ones succeed and uh, you want to see other ones get lit up and blown away. Yeah, just amazing. I mean, this was only... I mean, it's 20 bucks. That's like issues one through six. And it's still an ongoing series. You need to check this one out. This is definitely worth picking up and reading. All right. Oh, and then finally, Middle West by Scotty Young. Um, I heard a lot of great things about this. Decided to get the trade. I mean, this one was only ten bucks, so I'm like, okay, give it a shot. Um, and it's kind of like Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz ish, um, where this kid is uh, a paper boy, and he keeps on having these nightmares of this monster storm chasing after him. And uh, he, his dad's kind of abusive towards him. And uh, one day he takes his dad off really bad. And the dad turns into this massive storm monster. And the boy's friend, who is a talking fox, um, helps him escape and jumps on a train. And uh, the dad goes after him but you see kind of the remnants of when he turned into that storm what happened I think he said like 10 people got killed and they can't find his son and uh, the dad got to him so the kid while he was jumping on the train hits him with his storm hand or something and the kid now has this glowing in his chest and he runs across a magician who tries to help him, and he ends up joining a carnival 
and uh, the carnival's trying to uh, protect him. It's the wizard's sister who runs it. And I mean, this was just fun. Uh, it's good storytelling. I don't know, I really, really dug it. And I'm going to pick up the next one. They leave you with a massive cliffhanger at the end of this one. Um, so you kind of want to see what happens next. I'm, I say get it. Pick it up. Check it out. So this is like issues 1 through 6. And I think the next trade is like 1299. So I'll probably pick that one up. But yeah, absolutely. And I, oh, and then I did get into a fourth one called The Losers by Vertigo. Um, it was a movie at one point with uh, Chris Evans before Captain America. I'm absolutely loving it. Didn't get a chance to finish it yet. I'm absolutely loving it. I think it's a great story. I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but it's kind of hard not to read through it and picture the characters that were in the movie. I don't remember the whole premise of the movie, but I remember the characters and what they look like and picturing those people in their voices when you're reading it. Absolutely great. So yeah, that's what I have. Cool. Cool. All right. So what's up next on the agenda, gentlemen? Well, do we want to do news? We can do news. Okay, so I posted this on Facebook, and it was six super weird X-Men comic arcs that could be perfect for the MCU. Okay? The six are The Savage Land... The Phoenix Saga, not the Dark Phoenix Saga, but the Phoenix Saga before that. God Loves, Man Kills. The Extinction Agenda. And <clears throat> Welcome to Mojo World. And E is for Extinction from New X-Men. So... I had said I would pick it to be God Loves, Man Kills as the first one. Um, because, one, it would prove that, I'm, I hate this word, but Marvel was woke before Captain Marvel in the movies. They've been woke Pretty much their whole existence. The only thing that would hinder it is that it does have some language in it that probably wouldn't go over so well. And uh, it deals with deals directly with using the idea of using religion as a shield for hate. What do you guys think? Well, first off, I'm unbelievably disappointed that X-Men 2099 was not an option for the MCU. <laughs> I'm interested to see what Marvel would do to get the X-Men in to their world and what story. Um, 
I think for me, it, are they going to even acknowledge that those other X-Men movies exist? Or is it, here we go again, let's relaunch? Um, which would frustrate me to no end. Because they did, for the most part, they did a fantastic job of establishing the X-Men. And with the way they've got things set up currently, they could certainly make it, oh, they came over from another dimension type thing. I don't know. But they could do something like that. So I think it w I would really want to know, for me to answer which one I would think would fit the best, I'd want to know first, is it a complete relaunch? Because my answer would probably go one way, where if it was, you know, developing on what they already have, then I think you could get into a bigger storyline and do more with it, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, the only thing that would hin would be a problem is uh, in X2, William Stryker is a military man. And he's basically the one who gave Wolverine his adamantium. And in God Loves, Man Kills... He's a television evangelist. Well, they could they could fix that easily enough. Yeah, that's what William I, I think. Junior or something, whatever you know. I think that too. Um, that's an easy fix. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think, Nick? I think they should just bring him out of the gate, like balls to the wall and bring Inferno in and then just just go crazy. Okay. Just like, no, no origin. No, they're just here. Kind of like what... These, these demons popping up everywhere. Kind of like what they did with Spider-Man. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> hey, somehow they're here. Okay, something weird with the snap. Cool. Right? Okay. I could see that. Just something like, okay, we, we don't know because... We're seeing in, um, after the five years, there's that repatriation re uh, act thing going on, mm -hmm. that these guys could be just hiding in some backwater in Africa, like they do sometimes, or in a small Texas town, that they're just all hiding together, or like Charles came in the blip and brought them all together, right? It, they could already be in the Marvel Universe. They don't have to already be somewhere. Like, there could be some, like, weird thing with the, with the snap that brought them all back. Who knows? Who knows what Doctor Strange was thinking when he did all that shit? Like, maybe that's one of the ways that they, they survived, was they brought some mutant over. I got it. So, what they do is they set up secret ones. Oh, God. All right. Oh Lord! And when they get pulled away from, with the Beyond or by the Beyonder, and they end up on this this location. They right. meet the standoffish mutants who are good and bad, but they really don't want to be involved with the rest of the group. But then they have to work together to fight the greater cause. 
That's how they do it. Oh, God. So would they get David Hasselhoff to be the Beyonder? <laughs> that would be awesome. As long as he was wearing the, the white suit uniform. The, the, <laughs> from the Super Secret Wars 2? <laughs> okay. So you can do the theme song. I mean, come on. This is I I would agree that um that would be cool and they could even use some of the characters from the Fox. Or was it some it was Fox, right? Yeah, Fox. Yeah, Fox. I just have some some minor tweaks. Uh no Wade Watts is Scott Summers. Um, Jennifer Lawrence would not be a good... Uh, Mystique would not be a good guy. She wouldn't even be an X-Men. Yeah, those are my only tweaks. That's what I liked about those X-Men movies was Mystique. I liked uh, Douchebag Cyclops from X-Men, the original X-Men movie. James Madison. James Marsden or whatever. Marsden or whatever his name is. Yeah. I liked him better. But, you know, I, I could see them using the same people. Just anything's got to be better than that Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah. It wasn't... I guess I didn't see it, so I can't even try to make a nice comment about it. I was thinking of the end of X-Men 2. They've done it twice, and they've screwed it up twice. It's time to move on. Well, hasn't Marvel done it like 60 times and... (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm saying movie-wise. I know in the comics it's over... I think they need to move on in the comics as well. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. Alright. So, just... And if you're gonna do the Dark Phoenix saga, you don't do it in one movie. You gotta build to it. Because she... There was... Basically, it was a two-year storyline... Of how she got to be Dark Phoenix. It wasn't just. Boom. She's Dark Phoenix. But. Anyway. I like Nick's idea of Inferno though. That would be great. It'd be pretty fun. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah. Well, I will say there was only one good part of the Dark Phoenix saga, and that was Halston's stage as Dazzler. <laughs> okay. Because they got her perfect. They got the white suit, they got the, the the blue makeup on her face. And she was just, like, in the middle of, like, a party, just dancing and putting, like, lights out and about. Like, she was her own, like, light box. It was pretty cool. But Awesome. That movie... Oof, it was hard to watch. And I really want an explanation of how we went from uh, Xenia on a top. Sorry, I can't. Uh, 
who was she? Uh, what's her name? Famke Jensen. Famke Jensen. To this, Sophie Turner. To Sophie, yeah. It's the same time period, right? I think so. So how did she get 30 years younger? Ugh. I, that that might be the biggest problem I have with the X-Men movies is the timeline craziness. They don't care about it. They don't at all. It's like, ugh. But yeah. I, I'm betting that Dark Phoenix was in the 80s sometime. Yeah. But then then that real like takes over like the third movie where she becomes a phoenix again. Like, ah, oh, God. Okay. Maybe just the timelines just are completely shut off every movie. Like, they're just like, nope, that never happened. That didn't work. That okay. didn't happen. We made those three. That one bombed, so we're going to try it with this one. Yep. We're going to put Havoc as Cyclops' way older brother in the 60s. Yep. Uh, okay. That makes sense. Um, I did want to say I watched Wonder Woman 84. Okay. DC nerds learn how to make a villain, like a good villain, because they're, they're, God, Max Lord. I'm sorry. At the end, you're like, oh man, I feel bad for this guy. You know, he took on way too much power. And then you're like, you shouldn't feel bad for Max Lord at all. No, but there should be no, there shouldn't be, there should be a villain that you have no sympathy for. And even the cheetah, who is a complete a-hole in the book. Like, she's an evil little biatch that they made her a nice person. And I'm like, come on! One woman can actually have a villain. She can actually have somebody that she should be just like full-on brawl with. Not, you know, oh, I gotta save her. No! That she's probably beyond redemption. Can you, like, make somebody like that? I mean, god damn... I'm like, okay, and this armor that supposedly this uh, warrior wore to defend herself against all of humanity, Cheetah rips it apart in like three seconds. That is some shit armor. I'm sorry. Like, that, <laughs> that, like, Cheetah's just ripping wings off of it. And I did not miss the whole cat versus birds metaphor there. But, uh, I don't know. I, I liked it. But,. They, they could have, like, not made it Maxwell Lord, and they could have made it a new god to tie in, like, um, uh, what's his name? The guy that is always doing the promotions and stuff in uh, in Superman and stuff that's always, like, causing trouble. He's always on TV and stuff, but I can't think of his name. But, yeah, just not Max Lord. like. And the funny thing is they couldn't make her snap Max's neck. Because they did it in Superman. And they can't be like, oh man, we got two superheroes snapping people's necks. Yep. They should have saved it for Max. I I can see the problems with the film. I just enjoyed it, enjoyed it for being cheesy and campy. Oh, it was. No, I, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I really no, liked it. No, just, yeah, no. Just the fact that DC needs to work on their villains. Yeah. And... Not everybody is savable. They're not... It's that whole Darth Vader thing. And I'm not going into Darth Vader again. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree they need to work on their villains. 
But maybe we'll see something in Shazam. Because they brought up Ken Doc in the movie, which I was like, okay. I want to see... I want to see Adam somewhere in this. And I'm like, ah, no, he's not in here. So, uh, did you see everybody losing their shit because Hawkman's going to be black in the, in the black Adam movie? Nope. Yeah. People are losing their shit because Hawkman's white. Uh, uh, he's been reincarnated how many times? Who's going to say he can't come back as a... That's, that's the, uh... That's the argument. He's never the same person twice. Oh. Right, so. he's been a Kryptonian. He's been a Thanagarian. He's been... He's been aliens. He's been an... He's been he's Khufu, been an Egyptian. Right. And Egyptians weren't light-skinned. Well, with our history books, they are. True. (laughs) History is whitewashed. Yes. So, uh, can't be any worse than Gods of Egypt. Just don't watch that movie. You'd be like... Ugh. Like, that's a lot of white people for being Gods of Egypt. Yeah. But. Okay, and. so speaking of movies, just real quick, I did not know this existed, but apparently in 1976, there was a made-for-TV movie called Hard Traveling Heroes, where it was Hal Jordan, Ollie Queen, and the alien Black Canary going across the country. Did you say the alien Black Canary? Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. I... So somebody in one of the groups posted the picture of it from a TV guide. Right? But I can find no information about it. When I type, like, Google it, all it comes up is with the Green Lantern hard-traveling heroes. What year was it? 1977? I believe it's 76. Exactly, Scott. I kind of want to see it. You guys... I'm the Green Lantern fan. Of course I want to see it. You probably don't. Probably not, but it's that... It's where, you know... It's so bad you have to see it. Is it in IMDb? I couldn't find it in there. And then somebody made it up. No, like, legit. Two separate (laughs) sources. Same ad. Um... It might have not even come out. They, they said it was named something else when it got released. Because that's what it was called on television, or on the for the, the movie, but once it got like, released on VHS or whatever, they called it something else. I can't remember what it was called. Scott wants to know if it was an April Fool's joke. Uh, I saw it. No, it wasn't April Fool's Day. I'll see if I can find it. If I can find the the thing again, I'll I'll post it over to the Discord. Okay. So I uh, watched uh, 
Kong Skull Island on Saturday. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yep. Good. Yeah. Um, the way they started the movie, it made me feel like they we were supposed to be rooting for the army. Making me feel bad because they got mamas. And brothers. <laughs> and daddies. And they got kids, man. They got kids. But uh, I will say it. I haven't watched a movie that bloody and gory in a while. So, but I liked it, so I can't wait to watch, uh, was it Godzilla, King of All Monsters? Yeah. And then the new Kong vs. Godzilla. So. And... Uh, that's all I got. Cool. Mm, I'm trying to think if I got anything else, but right now I'm kind of drawing a blank. Do you got anything additional, Nick? I do not. All right. Well, I guess that draws us to our news. Yep. Um, Alright. So, do you want me to approach this one, guys? Hold on, let's bring Scott in real quick. Yeah. Hey, Scott. Hello. Sorry, uh, I didn't want to interrupt the news segment, so please, I'll shut up and I'll uh, listen to that. No, it's it's cool. Um, you're good. Uh, thank you. I take my compliments where I can get them. <laughs> but, but I still want to hear the news. Right, you want me to take it? Yeah, yeah why don't cool. you run with it? Yes, please. All right. So we're going to be going on hiatus for probably about the next uh, four months. We're uh, we're going to re-evaluate uh, the, the show and uh, the segments in it, possibly change some stuff up, and come back as refreshed and more into it. Because right now we feel like nobody wants to hear a podcast about three guys talking about how this comic is crap. And how new comics are crap. Like you want to, you want to hear podcasts about how great everything is. You don't want to hear like old guys talking about how shit things are. Um, so we're gonna, and I think we're getting burned out by by reading books that we really don't want to read every week, and yeah. trying to find books for everybody to to read. But um, so yeah, we're we're gonna take some time, just hang out with each other. Because I think the best part was, like, we would all be in the same room and we could bounce things off of each other. And it was a lot better than us at home. can't really see each other unless we're on Discord looking at each other. And that's just kind of weird. Um, and, and the flow isn't there. Like, um, 
feel it was more like three friends talking when we're all in the same room. And now it just seems like we're just doing our reviews and just moving on. And it's just okay. But yeah, um, if you guys have any ideas how we could make the show better or anything like that, just let me know and yeah. we'll, we'll work on it. But it's it's not the end. It's not the final episode. So trust me, I just paid a hundred bucks to have this thing on the air for another nine months. I'm not going to waste that money because I'm a cheap ass. So. Um, guys, what yeah, do you guys just, think? I think we, you know, at the point with being at a hundred episodes is just kind of a good time to maybe take a step back and recharge and take another kind of figure out what we like, what we want to work on, have a new approach. Yeah, on it, things uh, a little bit. Yeah, it's it becoming. Make, Go it ahead. does make a lot of sense the way that you presented it right there. It, it felt like it was becoming a job to read this and to read a certain book and it wasn't any it wasn't any fun because most of all of us would only get to read maybe you know the book we had for the week if that and maybe a random read. Yeah, so hopefully when kids go to school again, we can uh, have more time. Okay. So will there be a reboot? Um, or are, is the numbering going to continue? I don't know. That's one thing we're going to talk about. We haven't thought of that. No. All right. Well, you got time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, we're not we're not gonna just end it. I mean, we can't. We I, I can't do that. So I still want to do it. I just it's becoming a break. more yeah it's becoming more work than it is fun. So mm-hmm. All right. Entirely understandable. I support this decision. And I think the other two listeners will too. (laughs) (laughs) No, we just want to get back to where we can enjoy it again. You know, uh, it's like Nick said, with, with this whole current environment, it's just been hard to... You just didn't get the same kind of flow I think it worked initially early on but then it just became harder and harder um, it, you know and stuff just gets in the way every once in a while and so just taking a little bit of a break giving us some time to sit down and just talk and reevaluate I think the I, best way to kind of approach it I think it would be fun to be in the same room again it would be fun. Yeah. So. Well, I'll be looking forward to that. And I am a patient guy, so I'm willing to wait for it. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, we're not 
the Discord's still going to be hanging around, right, Nick? Oh, yeah. yeah. It'll be oh, still. yeah. I'm not taking that down. Okay, that's a resource that I will continue to abuse. Cool. <laughs> Along with the rest of us. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just posted a couple of random pictures on the Discord while I was listening to this show a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, that Robotech car- comic, like, the art was amazing in that. Uh, yeah. Okay, nice. yeah, uh, I'm going to talk about that real quick. Sure. Um, yes, I uh, found those. That is not the uh, old Robotech comic that I used to collect. I collect the old uh, black and white indie press uh, comics. I still got a bunch of those in my attic. And uh, that's the uh, reboot series from a couple of years back. And yeah, the battle scenes, the uh, mecha all looks great. The characters look good, except that I've noticed, now that I've read four issues of it, uh, there is a touch of same face syndrome going on. The artist knows three faces and uh, alternates between them for the different characters. So Rick and Lisa both have the same face. Uh, Who's the artist? (laughs) J.R.J.R.? That's who I was thinking. Um, Now, the artist is the third name. It's strange because this book has two writers, and it was already written for them because the stories are taken directly from the cartoon. Uh, All they had to do was just adapt it for comic book form. So it sticks really, really close to the events of the old cartoon probably copying either the dialogue too, I don't remember. My memory isn't that good. But uh, do you need two writers for that? (laughs) I wouldn't think so. Unless what they're doing is uh, you know, because I've seen it where maybe one's doing the first book, the next one's doing Especially if they're just taking the dialogue from the TV shows. Maybe kind of rotating books. Back okay. and forth. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, the artist is Marco Torini. So it's actually the third name at the top of the book. Interesting. And yeah, Marco is clearly doing the lion's share of the work here. <laughs> well, clearly he's doing it quickly too. If he's able to get that out on a fairly regular basis, where it's taking two writers to do this. <laughs> That's why you have the same face syndrome. <laughs> he's getting twice the <laughs> scripts. He's got to figure out how to. <laughs> Pretty soon it's going to be like the He-Man cartoons that uh, it's the same scene over and over and over again. they just recycling <laughs> it to save money. Um. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I've been reading a little of that um, real quickly. I've started uh, pulling my comics out of the attic and re- oh, 
sorting them because they are not as well organized as I thought that they were. So I'm reading some old issues of Knights of the Dinner Table. Nice. Yeah, and mm. I'm enjoying that. I'll probably post a more detailed review to the Discord at some point. I don't have... I used to have early issues starting in the uh, team numbers, but I gave those away when I moved. So I've got, like, issue 50 up through slightly past 100. Wow. And they hold up pretty well. I'm so glad to hear that. I uh, There's a show we always talk about, Alan's show that comes through, where you can get so many books for 20 bucks, 50 books for 20 bucks or whatever. And I grabbed a whole mess of those because I'm like, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm finding them all the time. I want to see what this is all about. And uh, with your backing of it, I have a good feeling about me really enjoying this. Yeah. It's funny, right? Now that you, uh, you, you've you heard some role-playing games, you'll actually get a lot of those jokes that are in Nights of the Dinner Table. Yeah, you will. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of jokes about unlucky dice. <laughs> <laughs> or as we call it, the Shannon Factor. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of railroading jokes. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's... Uh... Now understand nights of the dinner table i think that it should not have been a monthly book it should have been a bi-monthly book or so because it it's not the uh later issues they're not as packed with jokes as the earlier issues so creator jolly blackburn he was running uh i think he was stretching himself a little thin for material but every book does Every issue does have a couple of uh, good chuckles in it, at the very least. All right, cool. So, yeah, it holds up pretty darn well. And um, I'm going to... Uh, um, and I posted a couple of times about a webcomic in the Discord. I don't think I ever connected on to the show to mention it directly. But the last webcomic I reviewed was Who Are You? Am I remembering that right? Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who Are You? Spelled H-U-E as in color. And it's, it's a really uh, fun webcomic written by a uh, um, uh, wife and husband team. Uh, he illustrates, she writes it a uh, post-humanity story about a society of robots that are trying to rebuild their world, but they're divided into these color-based factions because it was probably the uh, war uh, between the humans that uh, destroyed the world, but it's unclear because there are a lot of mysteries going on. It's a cutesy comic, but there are uh, clues and mysteries that abound. So, it's, so if anyone is looking for uh, a balanced comic that's not, that's both uh, cutesy, uh, gagaday funny, and also um, mysterious and deep, uh, then. Who are you? Strikes a really nice balance. 
I've read a few of them. I do enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not caught up myself. There are, because over the past couple of years, they've posted a lot. They're very strong about posting uh, regularly on a schedule. And that's all I've got. I'm not going to uh, pad the show with a bunch of rambling too badly this week. Hmm. Well, I just filled the last ten minutes or so. Bit, Scott. I'm glad that you guys last uh, episode talked about the uh, price of comic books, though. Because I am a cheap bastard also. <laughs> and uh, for me, half price, uh, pulling out of the half price long boxes is still too much if the cover price is at $6 for a regular size comic book. Mm-hmm. So, yep. So I'm going to double down on my reading of old Conan comics because I really enjoy those. And that's kind of the direction I've ended up heading. Even working in a comic shop, it's like I still am having a problem dropping. I'd rather use that and buy some older books that I'm really interested in than spend seven, eight dollars to no offense, Nick. Read about Man Thing. What? Not my character. <laughs> I don't care about. <laughs> you know, I I'm ecstatic that Nick had the time to be able to read a book that he was he enjoyed. Yeah. You know, that's the best part of that for me. Is it something I'm going to go out and pursue? Probably not. I've just never found the character that all that interesting, and it seems like that's the way it's kind of going. It's either the massive crossover with Null still, or uh, you know, resetting the DC Universe over and over and over again, which has now become an ongoing joke. I used to say that I had a hard time reading Marvel comics because they're so far into their books that I wouldn't know where to start at. You know? when Spider-Mans were in the 300s and, you know, things like that. And now this whole relaunch phase that everybody's gone through over and over and over, I'm like, okay, enough. Get it. Go back to the way it was, please. Um, And then they just keep on raising those prices. Yeah. It's... At some some point, they're going to price their audience out of it. Exactly. Or are they trying to force the audience into switching to an online format? I can see I can see that. But I me, I'm kind of a diehard. I want the physical copy. I'm the same way with right. books too. Yeah, I well you guys are collectors. Yeah. So that makes sense. You know, you. it's just, I want, I've just always enjoyed holding the physical copy and looking at it and being able to go back and find it, you know, I don't have to wait for my battery to get charged up for me to look at something. Now, with that being said, the last couple of weeks, Nick's had us read some digital copies of Blue Beetle. 
I didn't mind it. I kind of like that approach for some characters maybe that I wouldn't normally go out of my way to read. It wasn't wasn't bad, but I don't know. There's something about Wednesdays that just get me excited every single week, even if there's nothing coming out. I'm like, new books are out. I'll find something new. Well, guys, I've said all that uh, I wanted to say and then some. So I appreciate you um, taking my call. (laughs) Anytime, Scott. We always love having you on. Yep, thank you. Any other news? Oh. No. Because it kind of wowed me with that um, uh, Hard Traveling Heroes movie. Yeah, I still can't find anything about that. (laughs) You know, and maybe it is an April Fool's Day joke or something like that. They did it early or something. But I saw two different people post it. And it looked like a legit TV ad. TV guide ad. I'm going to see if I can find it. I'll, I, the problem is I'm in so many freaking groups, I don't even remember which group posted it. And <laughs> see if I can find it. And then you guys can tell me that I, I'm, you're, or you guys are correct that I, this was a whole April Fool's Day joke, and, uh, <laughs> which wouldn't surprise me at this point. But I'll have to track that down. I think it was even one of my old one of like the comics from the 70s group. Maybe I'll be easier to find it that way. <laughs> yeah, but I was having no luck finding any information about it at all. Um, If that's an April Fool's Day joke, they did a fantastic job with the imagery on it. <laughs> yeah, this can take a while. I'll dig around and see if I can find it. I'll post it on the Discord. Thank you. All right, I'm going to hang up now. <laughs> All right, Scott. All right, Scott. <laughs> My Thanks. wife's already gone to sleep. I, I, I put her to sleep uh, a long time ago. Good night. Nice, Good night. Scott. Talk to you later. Yeah, I'm going to do a lot of digging, and I'll find the stupid thing so I can share, share it. All right. We got anything else? Nope. I don't have anything. All right. Well, 
suppose this is the final sign-off for a little bit. Recoup and come back stronger and better than ever, hopefully. So, thanks for everybody that's listened. Um, Anna is listening. Hang in there. This is just a hiatus. We'll, we'll be back. Um, you know, it's been a lot of fun doing this up to this point, and uh, can't wait to see what the future holds with what we come up with next. So, uh, I guess with that, it's been Ryan. And Nick. And Kirk. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. See you. See you guys. Power Records presents Man-Thing in Night of the Laughing Dead. The swamp, a bubbling bed of life of which you are a part. Once you were a man, a chemist named Ted Salas, but the syrup that was to have made you a super soldier combined with strange forces in the swamp to make you over into the Man-Thing. But your former existence seems a far-off dream to you, doesn't it? Less than a dream, in fact. No longer able to reason, you now function on emotion, those few which you still feel. You can feel what others feel. You can understand those feelings. But emotions are often as ambiguous as words, and sometimes they are even more so. Consider this weeping clown, for example. What does he feel now as he raises a gun to his temple, as the tears roll down his grease-painted cheeks? You may never know, for across the marshland comes a single, devastatingly final shot. That prods you into action. You attempt to hurry to the source of the evil sound. But no matter, you are too late. It was too late before you began. And all you can do is stare through hazy, crimson eyes at the little clown's corpse and reflect on the buried fragments of memories brought to the surface by the ugly sight. You remember how the man you were fought to protect his scientific discovery. You remember more, the blinding moments of escape, the knowledge that he had to destroy the vial and perhaps, at the same time, destroy himself. And so, Ted Salas did what had to be done. Memory. You recall the transformation, the mingling of the chemical with the swamp waters around him, the stark shock to his metabolism, and the bitter ending of his sanity. Slowly, mercifully, the memories end. And the man who was once Ted Salas, whose body has become that of a swamp-roaming creature, forgets again what once he knew. It's better that way. It's better. As those thoughts fade, your gaze falls upon something at the dead man's foot. But you wonder, could these little scrawls on this thin white leaf explain why the man took his own life? But wait, another flash of recollection from your former life. Foo? Few? Funeral. Humans bury their dead, so this one must be laid to rest, and so you take the body deep into the marsh while events take shape miles away that will transform this already somber evening into something more terrifying by far. The only rooms left are my deluxe. Come on, Richard, we'll find another... Uh-uh, lady, not tonight. I'm exhausted. I'll just bet. That'll be $22.40, including tax. These two young people are Richard Rory and Ruth Hart. Two old friends of yours, Man-Thing. 
Well, that was a hassle, wasn't it? I'll say. I'll bet he's a reform school reject. But, you know, I haven't got the energy to argue with him. Not now. Maybe we can go to the carnival tomorrow. Carnival? Sure. See the trucks over there? They must be playing a town around here. Boss, Mr. Garvey, Daryl's gone. Run away. We've got to go after him. We can't lose the show's only clown. And besides, he was terribly upset tonight. I'm afraid of what he might do. Please, Mr. Garvey, if he does something rash, you'll be... Oh! I'll be the boss of this three-ring loony farm, just like before, you hear? And if you don't like it, you can scram. Holy cow, Ruth. Did you see that? Richard, wait. You don't know... Them's your options, Taylor. Either you... Huh? Hold it right there, Buster. Oh, run along, Sonny. You heard the man, Twip. Scram. See? He's the boss. He's my boss. And I don't like nobody messing with my boss. Oh, boy. No, sir. I don't like it at all. Now, I'd advise you to blow while you still got legs to walk on. It ain't wise to get Trag mad at you twice. Trag? The world's strongest man? Gosh, that's who hit me. Whoever you are, you've got to get out of here. She's right, Richard. Please, take me with you. Hey, boss. Ayla's leaving, too. Step on it, lover. Trag doesn't look happy about this. In fact, I think he and DeBoss plan to follow us. I don't care about them. I just want to find Daryl. My... Poor clown. First, we find another motel. I've got to get to sleep. We can go Clarabelle hunting tomorrow, Miss... You haven't told us your name, Miss, or why you're looking for a clown. I'm sorry. It's Ayla Prentice. I'm a high-wire artist with the carnival, and I'm trying to keep my clown from destroying himself. You see, I loved Daryl, but I betrayed him. He stopped laughing, stopped living, just wanted to die. Stop! Pull over there! That's his car! Sure, okay. There he is, and thank the Lord he's alive! Daryl, I'm here! Daryl! Daryl, what's wrong? Can't you see me? It's Ayla! Why, why doesn't he answer? He acts as if he doesn't know who I am. Maybe his mind is just totally snapped. That's so. It's my fault. Whoa! Where do you think you're going? It's dangerous out there. Let go of me. I have to go after him. It's my fault. He's like this. Richard, look at this. I think it's a suicide note. So Ayla's not exaggerating. The little guy is in a bad way. To say the least. Okay, then. We go. But slowly, carefully. Remember, the next log you step on could have teeth. But as the three young people forge cautiously into the tepid waters of your home, Two somewhat more sinister figures race along the Swampside Highway in pursuit. Sure, I'm sure they took this road. I think. You think? Ha! You don't know how, Trag. Oh, boss, I try. Hey, boss, look at Up the road, there. It's the clown. Dancing in some kind of spotlight. Only, where's the light coming from? He don't even look real. Boss! I'm scared. Slow down, you fool. You'll hit him. We don't want to kill him outright. Swerve, you idiot. Swerve. I'm swerving. But we're going to hit that tree. The truck's gas tank explodes on impact, and the vehicle becomes a Nova Bright Inferno. And the little clown stands watching gleefully. Good evening, Trag. How are you? I am fine. Where is Garvey? <laughs> Why, you little punk. When I get out from under this... You'll kill me. <laughs> Make me die. <laughs> Where's Garvey? <laughs> you blasted right, I'll kill you. 
mad now. Oh my! <laughs> he's mad! <laughs> but he'll still have to catch me. <laughs> and he can't because <laughs> he's too big and slow and <laughs> stupid. Maybe. But at least I ain't no walking joke. And not too far away. Listen, voices. It sounded like crap. I didn't hear anything. Are you sure? No. It's hard to be sure of anything in here. I didn't realize it would be this dark. There are so many little sounds, so many shadows. It's... Oh! That's no shadow. It's some kind of... I know this is hard to believe, but that creature won't harm us or Derek. If that is the clown he's holding, he may be protecting you. And so, you better not stop him. Right. We'll move closer, slowly. And so, not suspecting that the man they seek to save is already dead, they inch their way through the dense swamp growth toward the spot where you stand. Hunt of Earth you have chosen for the man's final resting place. And when they push aside the last clump of green, when they see the clown's limp body and the heavy branch in your mottled hand, Ayla draws the logical but wrong conclusion and panics. Heedless of the seeming danger you present, she rushes to the side of her fallen friend. Daryl, wake up! It's, it's Ayla! Daryl! You can feel this woman's deep sorrow. Your own head bows. But then, another powerful emotional force makes you whirl, startled. How, how could you? I'd almost come to think of you as human. But now, get out! Get out of here or I'll... Anger, aimed directly at you, emanating from a man you assume to be your friend. Why? What did you do? Why does he loathe you so? You cannot reason. And even if you could, you lack the vocal mechanism with which you might explain to them their error. So you merely skulk away. Once you have gone, tears flow copiously. I didn't believe the Man-Thing was capable of this. In fact, it still strikes me as odd that I could face him down so easily. Unless... I never told him how I felt. I'm so ashamed. Oh, wow! How could I have been so blind? Ayla, look. He's been shot. The monster didn't kill him. But that's impossible! We didn't hear any gun go off, and we just saw Daryl alive a few minutes ago. Didn't we? You know, I'm beginning to wonder about that. So am I. We all saw something back there. But what? A ghost, maybe. Come on, Ruth. Under the circumstances, isn't that a little bit morbid? Nice try, Twerp. Play acting that clown's dead to protect him from me. Trag! Come on, clownsy. Stand up and get beat to death like a man, you hear? Stop it, Trag! You can't kill a corpse! Trag, I said stop it! You said? Why should the world's strongest man care what you said? Perhaps you are the reason Trag should care. For despite your puzzlement at his earlier outburst, you still know Rory as a good man. Who's the luck in the gorilla suit? And Trag's assault upon him enrages you. Whoever he is, he ain't on my side. So he must be on yours. So? He's a blasted living slime pool. But if he figures that's gonna stop me, this is a challenge for me. I know I can take any man. But a monster, that's something new. 
I sliced right through him. He has torn from you some small bits of your being, yet still you stand, to all appearances, unharmed. I tore into you, ripped you apart, and you didn't even feel it. You are waiting for one reaction, fear. For if this man, or any man, fears you, your very touch can burn his flesh to ashes. But Trag is not afraid, only amazed. He attacks again. But this time, it is your strength which prevails. And in the absence of fear, you resort to other, even more brutal means to destroy your foe. But the memories return once more. The visions of needless, wanton slaughter. And though your instincts advise you otherwise, you allow him to live. And as you make that choice, the most bizarre event of this night occurs. Holy leaping! What is it? What's happening to him? Or is it happening to us? Are we all losing our minds? The warm night air has suddenly turned chill. As you stare along with the humans at the skeletal specter that has risen from Daryl's lifeless shell. What are you? What do you want? Why? I want to make you laugh. I want smiles and guffaws and grins and good cheer. And most of all, peace. What does any clown want but to make people happy? But I could not go on making others laugh when all I felt inside was pain, when the love I gave was not returned. But now, my soul is free! I shall feel mortal pain no more, and so I can laugh, laugh forever! <laughs> you look and listen to the specter of a clown before you, and all that you know, Man-Thing, is that never has laughter made you feel so sad.